0: welcome back to the a's and d's podcast this week we are going to discuss ugandan cuisine and how that fits in with the uk palette okay so before we get started does everyone have a favorite ugandan word
1: um yeah i i actually have one and i thought about it the other day um so my favorite ugandan word is chakala Mm -hmm. and chakala means i guess it depends on what tone that you say, it. it could mean two things. So, chakala could mean like, you know, happy or con- uh, content, I guess, or, you know, just generally positive spirits, uh, being in positive spirits. So, you could say something like, oh, together to get into chakale, which means let's go out and have a good time, or, um, you know, but but. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. uh, but I like I like the sound of it. I like the way it rolls off the tongue, um, but also I like that my mom uses that word to describe rubbish. <laughs> 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 um, so I guess when when I was younger, um, we needed to tidy up, you know, the room. She would probably say, "Clean up this chakala," um, which means clean up this mess or clean up this rubbish. So I I, I like it. Yeah. It, it it just sounds nice
2: my favorite ugandan word is Mukwano, and um that word basically means c- it could be close friends it could be lover depending on the context that you're using it in and i like that word because it does describe what we are to each other which is close friends and um, mm. yeah i like i I, cool. I, I, li- I like it i like okay. the though it sounds pva exactly Mukwano. <laughs> i just like the way it sounds <laughs>
3: Speaking of sounds, I feel like what I love most about the Luganan language is that there are so many sounds you can use to express yourself that I still can't really translate. So, my favorite word/slash sound is Bambi, Mm. which a lot of my mum uses it to show sympathy, to show like connection, but I don't know if you guys actually have the real translation. It's ah. Yeah, it's like an (laughs) ah, like a sigh. And she'd use it to like embrace me if like something's happened, I've hurt myself, she'd go, oh, Bambi, you'll be fine. Um and it just soothed me and also kind of like lingers as you, a word. Mm. <laughs> Do you
2: think it kind of ties in with um Bambi, the 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 deer? Yeah, the deer. <laughs> <I know> <laughs> because <laughs> it is like, oh, it's a cute deer. Do you get what I mean?
3: Maybe but that, I feel like that was a Disney creation that <laughs> came later on. <laughs> yeah, they stole it <laughs> the from us. Language. They stole, they stole yeah, it from, they us. Stole <laughs> that from us. I th- I think
2: mine is also slightly similar to what Miss Nalukengi just said. Um my favorite word will have to be mbu. Mm. M- mbu basically is mbu, and that is people use that to sort of emphasize a sentence or where they don't believe what someone's saying is true. Like for example, if someone says, "Oh, I didn't go. Um, I don't like that boy," so we'll be like, "Oh, she says she doesn't like that boy." Mbu, m-bu. No, sorry. Let me say that. Basically, it's like um, mbu. She says she doesn't like that boy. Like. Basically, you don't believe what a- they say. Apparently. Yeah, apparently, yeah, apparently. that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Apparently, she doesn't. Or, oh, apparently, I didn't go to that party. That sort of thing. Or, use it at the end of the sentence. Yeah. But, yeah, that is my favorite one. I use it quite a lot, actually. I
0: love it. Um, so, I'd say my I have an old favorite word and a new favorite word now that my Ugan- Luganda is a bit more seasoned. <laughs>
2: so,
0: <laughs> my favorite word at the moment is kakati because it's kind of like a connective. And it's like, okay, so you don't actually have to say it, but it frames a sentence perfect, perfectly. It's kind of like taking mm. a breath. Mm. That's why I like it. And my old favourite Uganda word, when I didn't really speak much of the language, still don't, um, was kabalagala <laughs> because all the different sounds, and it's like almost like the longest word I knew. But <laughs> um, I just like the way it sounds. Um, and that's like a little pancake. It doesn't look like a pancake at all. It's like hard it's kind of hard and it's, and it's circular and it's, it's dark brown in yeah yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I think the first time i came over you know when we came to the uk and somebody said we're going to have pancakes i legit thought we're going to have kabbalah only to be given a plate of like <laughs> some you know what pancakes <laughs> look like <Yeah. laughs> if you know if if you google what kabbalah is versus what a pancake actually looks like they're so different I was so disappointed.
2: I think I legit told my mom that this is not a pancake. Like, this looks like almost a chapati that's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> a sweet A sweet chapati. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's it's definitely different in, like, texture and also taste as well. Yeah. And speaking of textures, um, when we're t- speaking about,
1: um, you know, food, um, where we come from, our main dish is matoke. And matoke is is a banana basically it's a banana plant um now when you go to buy matoka here in the UK you might point at what it what plantain actually is but it's just a green
2: unripe banana that you would cook guys can i just point out that out of all our foods um matoke is the only one that doesn't have an english well it's bananas but doesn't really have an English name.
3: Very true. Very true, yes. The others
2: can be translated into something British people can eat, but it's the only one. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Hmm. don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, so matoke is...
1: The only way we can describe it is that it's, it's the banana before it ripes. Um, and the way you would cook it is by um, boiling it. You can you can cook it in different ways. So you could boil it with, like... Um, tomato and onion and stuff um and your spices or you could wrap it up in the banana leaves so onto the leaves that it grows in and uh, again put that under water boil (laughs) and once it's ready you can choose to either have it it has to be soft when it's ready so you can just either mash it up like you know as you would uh mash up potato mush um or you could choose to have it you know whole um, so, yeah, that's, that's my talk, eh? Um, feel free to Google that. <laughs> um, the other thing that we tend to have quite regularly is cassava. And cassava, the, it's, 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 again, a root vegetable. Um, it's white. Uh, texture is very carby. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. And um, The only way I can come close to it is by uh, maybe translating it in what the a Parisian would say it's yucca um but yeah cassava is uh, when it it, in terms of like taste it's very it's also quite plain also speaking of that our is actually quite plain tasting but it's what you pair them with mm -hmm. that really bang so yeah (laughs) um so yeah so some of this food um let me just list one more just Because so, we have potatoes. Obviously, everyone has potatoes. Uh, potatoes are cool, but what makes uh, for me growing up, I didn't understand that you know potatoes were defined differently depending on what they looked like or how they tasted. So, we did we do have sweet potatoes. Um, they're called Lumonde, um, but Lumonde could also mean the white potato. And the white potato growing up, we called it Irish potato. I couldn't tell you the reason why it's called Irish potato. I don't know. But, you know, again, cook the usual way you would cook any, well, any potatoes. Well, potatoes, potatoes are from
3: Ireland, so maybe oh. we took that of <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I did not know that. And I think they had Irish people who... We're on the African continent, can't specifically say so if it was Uganda, but I think that's where that culturally came from.
1: Yeah, so guys, like I said, our foods are, you know, quite plain, but it's what you pair with them. with. So, like, you could pair Matoke with uh, beans, for example, and these would be red beans, strictly. Um, and when, when I say red beans, yeah, um, it's not from the can, so, you have what I from what I remember growing up is like beans were always soaked overnight, and then in the morning, that's when they'll be cooked. And then you know, make a mix with matoke. And you can also pair the matoke with um a stew which is uh called binewa, and binyewa is like a ground nutty stew. Um, it's boiled, but it can also be uh, mixed with some onions and tomato just to make it pop um yeah so all, all all the different you can also mix you can also add uh like a meat stew to my again which also bangs so you know everything bangs from uganda
3: i think the one thing i can remember about ugandan food whether i was in uganda or in the uk is that it just leaves your belly hanging low it is mm. dana touched upon this that it's like mainly carby starchy food you mix it up with all kinds of Different bits, potatoes here, maturke there, mm. a bit of leaves, but rarely. It's mainly starchy stuff, <laughs> and you're always full. Like I'd never gone to an auntie's house and left, like you know, having just had like one slice of toast. Like they always go in with mm. with the food. I don't know if that says a lot about the history of it, because uh, when I was younger, we all kind of in the holidays lived together where our grandma was, and generally it's just like cooking food had to. They had to cook food that would keep everyone full for a yeah. while. And there was plenty of kids who'd visit from school, um, yeah, in the village. So, um,
1: yeah, Miss Nalkenge, just you know, talking about us growing up at a Judge's house. Um, Judge means grandma, um, you know, and all the kind of foods that we used to eat, you know, eat. It just kind of reminded me of you know, whenever you go to visit someone's home, especially if you visit a Ugandan's home, they'll always have food prepared for you. But I think <laughs> one time. I can't remember if it was, you know, my brother. It was a relative anyway. Um, they went visit somebody and they didn't get any food. And then they had to leave. So on the way out, um, you know, my relative, <laughs> very, he, you know, a young boy, he said, oh, um, we're leaving now. They didn't even give us any food. So that <laughs> that is very embarrassing that you know to go into someone's home especially a Ugandan's home and you you don't get fed you know you 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 must food is a big thing where we come from
3: it's definitely a massive thing and I'm I think a lot of other ethnic cultures whether African or Asian will agree with us like what you present to people means a lot like it represents who you are who your family is so it's not just about in your house it's at events as well Mm. um I think there's a Bit of a buffet culture um, in terms of these Ugandan events because you turn up and everything is laid out for you. There's not this idea of like, you know, Michelin style serving, (laughs) three course meal at a wedding. You get the buffet with everything you could possibly want lined up for you to serve yourself because the more food someone offers you, the more generous they are Mm. and the better it looks for them as well.
2: And I feel as though I don't know any different. Like when I go to an event, be it African or what, I expect the buffet. Like, I don't expect table service. I don't know about you guys, but when I go to these events, that's that's basically the norm. I do feel
0: like there's something a bit more heartwarming about doing the buffet service and, like, maybe even having a conversation as it happens because I feel like table, summit, table service is something that I associate with, like, restaurants and people mm-hmm. that I'm disconnected with. Whereas when it's a big event and, like, a grouping of different people and then you can all, like chat over the food you get it feels a bit more like a community feel i think
2: Um, i think also like having a buffet gives you like a lot of variety and more things to work with than compared to like a sort of table service because then um you just have like a starter and main course and a dessert but a buffet you can literally have everything in one
3: What
2: about seconds, you know? That too. Exactly, we need (laughs) our seconds.
3: More food, really. And I think you touched on it, Ida, in terms of Western culture being a bit more disconnected with their food. Mm. Um, To be fair, Western culture is other people's food. (laughs) 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 I'm not going to be savage. But, like, that idea of, like, you go to... If you go to someone's wedding who's not maybe African or Mm. from another ethnic background, you would be more used to that, like, clinical, did you tick vegan? And then they've given you your plate and it comes out and you don't get to have that interaction Like you mentioned, between each other and discuss what you love, what you don't love, or go back for seconds.
1: Mm, So it's quite yeah
3: clinical, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and um, just add on to what you've actually just mentioned, Miss Nalukenge. Um, when it comes to like the buffet culture, um, at least in Ugandan events, because our food, I feel like our food caters for all kind of dietary requirements so if you were vegan and you came to our to our event you know there's you're going to be catered for because you know albinia will be there ready for you if you're vegetarian you're still going to be catered for because we have that's the kind of people we
2: are (laughs) (laughs) we got you preach it
3: (laughs) and actually the element of meat and fish i think is Mm. when i look back from my t- my childhood anyway it's it's a luxury it's like christmas yeah um or like a big easter event it's not the core of our diet mm. um one
0: thing i would say is as the food is great and you get seconds and you might even get a tupperware to take home after somebody's massive event yeah one thing i would say about um the tupperware situation is that you wouldn't really be able to take that food into like work or more western (laughs) public spaces because it tastes delicious and it is amazing but it's not as
2: um, aesthetically pleasing to the eye Mm. i think that's dependent on the person mm -hmm. i don't want to go too much into it, but (laughs) i work with africans and they bring (laughs) whatever they want to bring Do you get what i mean it depends on how you feel about the food
3: and i think when you said i maybe it's the references the western eye like you know people understand pizza and other more eurocentric foods if you bring in something that, for example, abonjere is like a pinky colour. It is still peanuts, but because of how it cooks, it turns like a pinky, a lovely pinky, purple colour. <laughs> I was so getting there, you, guys. If you don't understand it, and if you're not used to like a soup or a stew looking that colour and that texture, um, you might yeah might give it a bit of a look and i don't want to be eating my food and have people staring at me like a lot yeah. of things in the office you don't want to have to explain yourself mm-hmm. absolutely aside
2: from the texture it's also about the smell because they have so many spices in the food that don't get me wrong it tastes really good but it's just that it's a very strong smell that um if you do have it in the office um you might get a few <laughs> eyes. but
0: i think if somebody's gonna have like a tuna pasta mm-hmm. i think that smells stronger than like or matoke or something like that so it should be the same but i guess like what miss nana said no one wants the questions i don't want to explain my whole cuisine
2: do you know what i wish i didn't feel this way that i can't eat my food in an office but i do sadly because i feel like these people are going to be staring at me and asking me questions as i just said and um, it's so annoying it's something i've just actually deep like yeah, I just wish I didn't feel like that, but I yeah. can't take fish in. Like, I just can't.
3: Yeah, I. I That's sad though, because people. I like you said, people have their tuna sandwiches, but it depends what they consider. I guess normal like Thai food, Mexican, mm. anything that in the UK is has a restaurant open, which is actually to be fair, very in, rare for Ugandans.
0: To be fair, in the UK office culture, bringing any kind of fish is meant to be a red flag. You're not supposed mm. to do it. it? <laughs> we
3: actually, we actually have tuna t- sandwiches <laughs> of fish. We it. It. people do that a lot
2: bring tilapia yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> you can't be bringing tilapia I
2: think we actually had a role in one of the sort of companies i worked for in the past and it, they actually said no strong smells wow. allowed to be eaten in the office they actually had a notice there for yes. every single person so that you can't bring in anything. What's that strong, what, what will you anything do? Anything that's going to overpower the whole smell. office, basically. W- will you fire me for bringing a strong-smelling food? I took it somewhere else. They prefer else. that you don't
3: bring it in. Test Even when office. I had something that I thought tasted looked okay, like chapattis. Everyone knows chapattis mm. and beans. Good old chikamando, as we call it. <laughs> that's when you get a chapati and put beans in it. Like I said, um, I was eating it by myself. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was really paranoid about being <laughs> asked while I was having chapati and beads, I mean. even though I knew people might know what it yeah. is. but yeah.
1: I, I, I get that. There was one time, I think, I must have taken in a Tupperware of Matoke.
2: <laughs> <my> wow, <laughs> no, I
1: rate you. I think we had a party. And you know, when we have our parties, um, there's always leftover food. Um, so you, you take some home. And it's one of those things where you don't want to have to cook when you get home after after party you don't want to do that. And I didn't want to spend money the next day on my lunch. So I took in a Tupperware with my Matoke and Binyewa and Chapati, you know, together. I ate it in secret because I, I couldn't. <laughs> I've been there, girl. Don't worry. No, <laughs> I microwaved my food and I went to a park bench, yeah, yeah.
3: to eat my food quietly because I can't to, You had to questions. time it, make sure everyone's gone. Yeah. No one asked you where you went. You went to the no. local cafe. I, <laughs> I just remembered I did that. Do so
2: you know what? Yeah, I'm not brave enough to do that. Even when my partner brings me food from his um, mom's house he's like oh yeah you got food for lunch tomorrow in my head i'm like i don't. i was desperate <laughs> I,
1: I had nothing and i didn't want to spend money i took my food in but i i felt good eating it but
3: i had to hide it yeah like legit i had to hide it um, we just i just know that we feel like they're not ready they're yeah. not ready i don't know when I they'll, know they'll, they'll be, ready, be ready but they're not ready
2: <laughs> and the issue is i know they'll be curious
0: yeah. there's no way someone's gonna watch you eat that and say nothing And
2: yeah <laughs> To I'm sorry yeah. it's sad
0: that three of us have hidden because I've hidden as well and I hid from with chapati that I'm sure people order mm-hmm. online when they do they really have beans agree, I, I think it's a commando
1: if <laughs> the chapati has beans then that's not acceptable <laughs> 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 your chapati has to it's be not a coma. Like, chicken coma. No, that's no, what I love if they
2: chapati I you're not getting your
1: foot. <laughs> Not like you're going to dishoom yes, and get uh, your food from there. your Michelin-style. You're not getting your Michelin-style. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's not Michelin-style. Your
3: party. It's from your house. Hide that shit. Oops, sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, That's sad but hilarious. <laughs> so, in terms of our cuisine and its history, I have touched upon chapati. <laughs> We've all touched upon it, <laughs> even hiding it in the office. <laughs> That's such a big part of our plate so to say. And it has its roots in South Asian culture. I'm sure you all know that. Because we had a huge displacement of South Asians moved over to Uganda. It's just one of those results of colonialism, as far as I understand. They were put right in the middle of Africans and the British, English, white people. You um, <laughs> didn't get that one. <laughs> because they were known for their business acumen, they were known for commerce and trading so i think that's why they were also displaced into uganda and i think that's had a huge and mostly positive impact on our our food our clothes and how we identify in terms of ugandans also goes back to south asian identity as well
0: yeah we have a lot of the same traditions and in terms of like the buffet layout that we described earlier you'd also find things like chapati in that setup samosas um a lot of the spices and um garnishes we use are the same as well hmm.
3: i think um african and asian culture are so strongly intertwined even with us now living in the uk the huge movement of asian immigration was as a result of um edi Amin actually expelling expelling's a word expelling a lot of successful asian business people over here so we both have a history of being displaced, but one great positive thing is that we've taken some of their culture in terms of our food and made it ours or made it both of ours. I'm sure they've also been strongly influenced in terms of our cuisine. And we met many Asian Ugandans here who remember back home being like a plate of matoke and Binyewa And maybe from their appearance, no one would know that that's their history. Um, that's kind of what I love, regardless of how crazy displacement and colonialism is food allows us to kind of have the positive side of that history?
2: Um, aside from the food, um food that we took from not took from the Asians, but that the Asians sort of like bought to us. I wonder if greeting is also a part of that. Cause Asians also the female does kneel down and we do the same thing. So is that something that we got from them or is that something they took away when
3: they I think go. we probably both had positive influences on e- on each other. So maybe, although the cultures might appear to someone from the UK to be so separate, what I'm realizing as we talk about this is that they are quite strongly connected. Whether it's through greeting or mm-hmm. the food that we have on our plates.
2: I'm um, speaking of sort of like similarities and other things that we do have in common. Most of our food, um, like the Ugandan cuisine, can um sort of be found in in the uk it can be found in like the asian sort of market do you think they sell waraji? i actually haven't seen it but um if anyone has and knows where everyone's sourcing it from do let us know because i actually do enjoy it and i would like to purchase it um is um comes in lots of different flavors and it's also similar to gin
0: I think it's like a refined gin and I think it's a bit more like alcoholic than the regular gins we get here I think it's like 50% volume or something like that and actually strangely in Uganda you can get it in like a sachet (laughs) and they're sold at all like um small like convenience stores or like little stalls you can just get like a little sachet of your gin.
2: You can also get some whilst you're driving, like on the highway, like in traffic. <laughs> someone will be selling them on the <laughs> side Rose.
3: Keeps someone, you awake. <laughs>
2: someone will be giving you. Will be trying to sell you sachets of gin and also Caballagra.
3: <laughs> From what I remember being told, it actually started off as a moonshine, so people could make it in their own houses, and then it became widely, wide, widely available.
1: Mm. and uh, like when you were speaking about locally brewed um beverages i guess um when it comes to alcohol there's one that i remember we used to have when we were quite young um it's called mara now mara is it's a brown color it's sort of like a brownie color very grainy texture um you would drink it um, in a clay pot, yeah. um, with really long straws. Also made out, actually, maybe they are made out of like
2: maybe bamboo. bamboo. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, really thin straws. Um, it has a, I think it has a really long refinery process when you're making mara. I don't know the details of it, but all I remember is that I loved it and it tasted amazing.
2: It was also slightly a bit sweet. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of like a, really a
1: porridgey. Texture. But
2: then
3: it's, then it's all got like good.
2: alcohol in it. So sorry. So, how old were you? But the alcohol. alcohol <laughs> I said we life. were young. <laughs> I don't think it was that strong though. The the alcohol in it. It's not. It's yeah. It I don't mean, think it's. It's not like you're having vodka. You know. Guys, it's how not, but how, it gets you.
0: how have I never seen this? I've been to Uganda several times. It's like, and like never in the village. It. Yeah, people in the
2: village. The village. They... And
1: maybe lately, not mainly people make it, but yeah. back. You know, many years ago, it would be like a traditional drink you can have with, you know, your family members. And it's a massive pot that people make. And then you'll be, it'll be like maybe 12, 15 people sitting around it drinking and you'll be drinking it for hours chatting. (laughs) It's a good time, guys. It's a good time. (laughs) It's literally like one of those drinks where you're
2: pacing yourself and having a good time. Yeah. Uh, And, um, when we went to Uganda on a different topic, um, in 2015, we had the third best Irish pub called Bubbles O'Leary. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a vibe. <laughs> Check it, it out, fun. guys.
3: <laughs> I think looking back on moving to the UK, we all had a variation of culture shock, and that definitely was experienced in our palate. Um, I was not a fan of pizza, I'm going to confess that to everyone. I don't want to get shot, as Danny usually says. Don't (laughs) shoot me. I was not a fan of pizza. I found the texture strange. And just look at... Think of this back in the 90s, pre-Jamie Oliver. uh, Like, we all had, like, basically chicken nuggets four days a week. And then pizza. And they were obsessed with giving us milk. I had a weird thing about dairy. I didn't understand the texture of cheese. I didn't understand why we had to have a carton of milk. Every day it felt like torture to me. And if all the kids loved it, like they'd be smiling full of glee. I just felt like, why are you torturing me at the end of my... I'm meant to be going home feeling happy, but you're forcing me to eat this stringy stuff and you're forcing me to lug down this pint of milk. (laughs) Miss Nelken, is that why you're vegan today? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe that's what led to me taking dairy completely out of my diet. But that was, for me, the biggest shock. Um, School lunches. Um, and I knew I had to get used to it and get over it because otherwise I wouldn't eat. Um, I think,
0: I think I had kind of the opposite of that because obviously I didn't have, didn't really grow up in Uganda as a child. I was here when I was like one. Um, I had it more, but I experienced it with friends' houses. So like, I grew up with all the like dairy. I enjoyed my milk. I was one of those smiling kids. <laughs> um, but it's when I'd like visit a friend's house during primary school or something. Um, there's one time. We'll not name the person. Um, I went to a house <laughs> for the first time. I was so excited to play with my friends. So excited I was going to be allowed to have tea at their house. Um, tea, which I had to also learn, was dinner and not actually tea. Um, and they brought out um, some steamed veg. And also alongside that, steamed chicken. This is back when <laughs> I eat chicken. And the chicken was steamed in the same way as a veg. Just straight in the pan. <laughs> no seasoning. No salt, no pepper, no chili flakes, no tempts. They didn't even take out ketchup. Um, and this day was shocking for me because I felt like I'm actually struggling to eat. Like my mouth is drying up. Mm. Nothing. This tastes like nothing. But I have to be polite because also that's what I was taught. But that's when I realised how different, how differently food is cooked. Like um, maybe sometimes in more ethnic households, um, in comparison to English
3: ones. Seasoning. Mm. Mm. Culture <laughs> hashtag seasoning. Major key. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, I do. Um, speaking of how food, you know, is prepared, I have a problem with like cookbooks, yeah, because cookbooks tell you that chicken is ready in five minutes. <laughs> chicken is not ready in five minutes. When a recipe tells me meal will be ready in three, thirty-five minutes, a meal is not prepared in thirty-five minutes. I, I, I have a problem when it comes
2: to like. I thought I should say that out loud.
3: Is that problem <laughs> specific to meat? Um, it's only, all or? recipes okay, okay. all um,
2: recipes i agree with Donna. it takes me at least an hour plus to prepare a good meal so i don't know what they're preparing in 35 minutes
3: I, i've never been shocked also, at a steamed I was...
2: chicken that's what they're preparing
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly <laughs> literally included. that yeah i think the, the big comparison is that we are just much more used to well-cooked food Or cooks for longer, more to Mm. say. Like my mum's in the kitchen for a while. She puts that chicken in once, twice. (laughs) Well done food is the biggest thing in our culture. And I think more Eurocentric, Western food. Yeah. Medium rare, rare. (laughs) It's just like cooked a lot more quickly and maybe with not as much flavour. So that is definitely challenging if you think of a child, you know, between the ages of six to 12, turning up in that kind of culture because the palate is so, so, so different.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm still baffled by the poached egg. <laughs> why? Why is my egg running? It's good. It's that's really good. Why? No, that's that's Ida the one talking. Who he, <laughs> he, he came here when she was one. Yeah, <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
3: They've been should, be me. Yeah, should be <laughs> I
2: don't do poached egg either. <laughs> no, it just it doesn't need to be runny.
3: I'm sorry. It needs to be well done. Guys, is there anything that? Even though it was a different palette that we just fell in love with when we moved over. Sorry, Ida. <laughs> you were too young, Ida. You really? were still
2: on the bottle. Um, I would say it's not really a meal, but I like chocolate spread. Like um, I love. <laughs> ch- <laughs> <laughs> I love chocolate spread on like toast, and um, sometimes I could eat on its own. But um, with- Docus, do you think that's because we didn't have chocolate um, as part of our palette in Uganda? It could be that. It was in the shop, but, but we didn't yeah. buy it. Um I don't know about not trying it. Maybe we couldn't afford it. But. I don't know. <laughs> but the only chocolate I had is the one that mom sent from the UK. Um which goes back to my point of us not being able to afford it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's it's not about that. It just wasn't part of our palette like you wouldn't think to buy chocolate. Just like let me make an example right now. Um I'm trying to think of something that you wouldn't think to buy right now. However, if you taste it and you're like, "Oh, this is amazing," then you start buying it more. Would it be you wouldn't think to buy it because let's say for example you had 10p, and um, (laughs) 10p is you can only buy let's say chewing gum. Not that chewing gum is 10p, and chocolate is 20p. So what does that say? I don't know what's going on. (laughs)
3: Um, what stop laughing? What I do remember from being younger in terms of snacking because you mentioned chocolate spread is uh, this might sound weird to our listeners who aren't ready, (laughs) but we used to eat grasshoppers, Mm. deep fried grasshoppers, um, called nsenene, and that was just like an easy snack to get. Kids loved it. It was nutritious, surprising yes. to people, but it is nutritious. Uh, we also had Simpson, which is a sweetened sesame, like, bistic, biscuit. Mm. Um, and it was just sugary, and that's what I remember. Yeah, so having <laughs> those um Insanine things. <laughs> the grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. <laughs> the grasshoppers was like, imagine you're at the pub, and you're having a pint of beer, and you just keep having <laughs> peanuts, and you keep eating them, yeah. and eating them, and eating them. That's what Insanine was like for me. It was addictive, and... It can't be recreated here, but I did fall in love with it. I,
1: I just had a thought, like, I feel like if you were hung up, I feel like you're in it
0: These are some fun childhood memories. I, I remember just... really struggling with it because um, I was told that it was grasshoppers. And I feel like, based on my UK-centric palate, um, I, even though it tasted okay to me, kind of like a snack, I would choose something else over it because I know that, like... It wasn't as common to eat grasshoppers. Maybe I'd feel a bit differently now.
3: Also, you could still see its eyes and stuff. It wasn't like mashed up or anything. You could see the little eyes. It was a whole grasshopper. Yeah. I
2: think to this day, if you gave me a bag of grasshoppers, I would eat it. I would eat it in a habit. I don't think I could eat it now. Not even because I just don't eat fish, but I just couldn't eat it. Um, but out of all the animals I used to eat back in in <laughs> uh, um, Senene was definitely top of the list great snack, guys check it out if you go to Uganda and bienda which is like intestines those, <laughs> those are the only two things I remember being the most delicious things I've ever had yeah, <laughs> I love it. the bienda as well but you, will, I would never eat that today, I wouldn't oh. eat that nah, no way <laughs> it has a really strong smell it, it's a very overpowering you so, definitely don't want to take that into
1: work i tell you
0: that
2: no for sure. you don't <laughs> that's a no when my um partner went back to ug to visit he went to this restaurant where they had like this big plate and people used to basically he went with like six people and everyone kind of just shares the, the food And um, he, well, firstly, I was telling him that me being as a person who only eats fish, I don't really think this situation would be great for me because people that eat meat are carnivores and they eat everything. (laughs) (laughs) I would just be there there with my section of my talker, which someone can still dip into. So I was like, this wouldn't be a situation. And also he was saying that um, everyone was using their hands. However, for him, he just couldn't. He was like the only one asking for a fork and knife and stuff like that um were they all using like obviously i'm guessing they had like a main dish in the middle like a whole bowl of matoke, and everybody was dipping their hands in and putting it on their plate i'm not too sure how it looked um i just know that the there was uh, you know assortment of like meats and you know other things just going around the whole like plate and everyone could just reach over to you know anyone's section it's not like isn't the food hot it is, it doesn't matter whether it's hot or not. <laughs> <laughs> the point is that they're sharing. Um, um, I don't think that would work for me. The thought think- of someone putting their hands into my meal that I'm going to eat is no, it's a no, it's a no for me. Sorry.
3: Do you think he was more uncomfortable with that? I know this is going to be controversial. In his, more uncomfortable with it in his home environment. But say he was somewhere like, I don't know, Morocco or India, Ooh. where they actually hand you a bowl of in a restaurant potentially. I have been to India, by the way, guys. <laughs> I'm not making this fact <laughs> up. Um, and you get to wash your hands there and then and you eat your plate, you know, with your hands because that's the culture there. Do you think people are more open to that than maybe their own culture? I can't explain that, but yeah. I Perhaps
2: I, I think personally I'll still ask for a knife and fork. <laughs> Me too. I don't think I would let someone put their hands in my food
3: no no not not put your hands in, not put their hands in your food the debate is using your hands in another culture are you more comfortable with it than going back to uganda maybe we're a bit more bougie because you know we're coming back from england and we ask for those things but maybe in india you'll be like okay well i'm in india here's my plate i'm gonna eat with my hands no okay <laughs>
1: Sorry. i so think random. i think for me it would depend on what it is that i'm eating like, there are some meals where I, I i would never use my hands but obviously there are meals that you you need to use your hands but if i was in uganda and everyone was around me was using their hands i might be inclined to do the same just to fit in i don't think it's the worst thing possible i wash my hands and eat
2: yeah
3: my, i'm a thing. bit more similar
1: but obviously yeah i get where you're coming from miss Nalking King that if i went to india for example and everyone was eating with their hands i would both definitely do that i don't know what i feel like i'll fit in it's a fitting in kind of thing isn't it yeah for me at least that's what that's when what. you're visiting
3: somewhere it's like you're trying to do what's more common in that country yeah that's, that's definitely what i do when i travel so sometimes i think oh i am more inclined to ask for a fork when i'm in uganda but i'm like a lot of people do eat with their hands, so mm. why do I? Why does I my behaviour change?
2: I think to me it's more about my thought process in terms of where my hands have been, where everybody else's. hands But you have know been. where your hands have been. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you even do with your hands? <laughs> that even if I wash them, even if someone else washes their hands, even if they do anything, like that whole thought of. Me using my hands to eat my meals is, no. Um, I actually eat chicken with a knife and fork as well, so.
3: I think it's important to emphasize that the preparation of the food is just as important as the food you get on your plate and even has a huge impact on your sentiments about the food. Like, remembering back home with where our grandma lived, where we all used to get together during the school holidays, um, it would take, it takes a long time to get that plate of my talking on a plate like mm-hmm. they peel the green banana they have to mash it up i mean imagine this is for a group of over 10 people mm-hmm. um and they have this process where again something that could be connected to an asian culture they wrap it in the banana leaf um that then goes into a makeshift like clay oven which has to cook in there potentially with meat and other foods so you know by the time it gets onto your plate you're you're freaking grateful mm-hmm. um because you know someone has worked hard and mostly i think even when we were younger we'd help with some of the preparation whatever small way we could. Um, it's not to say that I'm not grateful when I'm in the UK for the food on my plate, but there's definitely more of a takeaway culture and food's more disposable. Um, like, even now, my mum, when she's miss, really missing home, she, she takes the effort to get the banana leaf, and even though she puts it in, like, our conventional oven, it makes her, like, that part of the preparation is really important to her. Um, and I guess it's like a taste of home, not just because it's the dish, but it's how you made it and what went into it. Speaking of
0: stuff going into food, as much as the preparation of food is an act of love, it can also be <laughs> an act of vengeance. <laughs> 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 a, a couple of years back, me and the girls went back to Uganda um, to celebrate docus and Daphne's graduation. And we had a massive party at our grandma's house. Um, at this party we had a vengeful ex-girlfriend, our uncle's ex-girlfriend,
2: <laughs> tried to wipe out our entire, like, family. Our entire generation, basically, because everybody was at the party. So um, she tried to sort of convince one of the cooks um, that we had hired to put food poisoning in um, our sort of dish, you know, one of our dishes. And... Um, Thankfully, she didn't succeed because the cooks were very loyal to us and um, they informed us of it. But imagine we could have all not been here today. <laughs> to
3: tell
2: you about the story. Yeah,
3: because we definitely would have been eating those plates up. Yo. No one would have left the crumb on the plate. It's the definition of a woman scorned.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it really is. As we had a near-death experience... It what we thinking. What would you guys last meal be? Would it be British food? Would it be Ugandan? Would it be a
2: blend? Where you at? Um, I think mine would definitely have to be Matoki and fish. And the fish has to be cooked um a certain way that it's nice and juicy. Basically, mom's food. Mom, just make me and fish. I'll be happy. <laughs> if the oh. bone doesn't choke me before my death row. Whoa. Oh, Damn, don't <laughs> <You took it. laughs> Um, I think mine as well, definitely Gandan and food. It might just be because we don't have it often enough because I know Mm. people who do have it a lot and they're like sick of it. But yeah, it would have to be that. Matoke, bineboa, some chapati and beans on the side and tilapia, of course. Um, I think mine would have to be a little bit of a blend
1: with everything that I love. So I want to have my I would like for my plate to have some matoke on it, some binyewa, some mixed tea, which um, that's cooked in like a tight box so all the flavors get, um, you know, stored in or kept in or whatever. Um, I would also like some chapati, mandazi, (laughs) sumbusa. And then on top of that, a glass of wine, um i would also like a cake on side <laughs> that's my desire um
2: uh, what
1: else i think that's it yeah yeah, yeah. oh and some beans because i want to mix with my chapati yeah. So
3: <laughs> um i don't know what kind of plate dana has but <laughs> I- i'm gonna it's not a have an issue i'm gonna have several different little plates that kind of uh, sum me up, I guess, and (laughs) everything that I've experienced in terms of food. And the biggest plate would be my Ugandan culture, so the matoke. Definitely, like you guys, with the binyewa and the beans, that's just, like, my core. I'll never get rid of that, no matter where I end up in the world, that will just be one of my favourite plates of food uh, because it reminds me of my mum cooking it. Um... I become vegan now. So there's a mad love for tofu. There'll be a side plate of tofu Stop it. in a Thai curry. <laughs> and a salad. To... <laughs> <laughs> um, so even though I guess those are the things that I got from being in the UK, uh, more exposure to like Thai food and Italian food. I wouldn't say there's actually any typically British food that I would have on death row. This was a death row scenario i wouldn't be having fish and chips sorry um but i guess part of uk culture is that it's quite multicultural so yeah I, that's what i have taken from living here um you know if even fish and chips is stolen but um <laughs> 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 on to my
0: last meal um i probably have a blend similar to dana and i want a plate the size of dana's one too yes it's a beautiful I think, plate right um, i definitely have the glass of wine. I'd have matoque, beans, chapati, some samosas. I'd also have some noki. really love noki. Um, I'd have some pizza in there. I'd have salads, I'd have avocado on the side. Um, I could really go on, to be
1: honest. Um,
0: I think it would be all savory though, but
1: yeah.
0: Actually, uh, uh,
1: yeah. you just reminded me when you mentioned avocado. I'd add some of that on my plate oh, too, please. Too. <laughs> um, and also growing up here, yeah, Every meal that we ever had used to have a slice of avocado. Don't,
2: do you remember? Mm-hmm. Every single meal. Oh, I missed that. only knew
3: G because they grow in your garden. Here? Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Two pounds in Tesco.
3: For two. For two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to take a break in between so you don't spend a ton of money on avocados. Whereas there, it's just in your back garden. I think a challenging thing for us Ugandans who love our traditional food is that as we mentioned in the past, uh, Ugandan culture isn't really on the map in terms of African food. Like, you can't go on Deliveroo and order, you know, some Matoko that's been cooked in that lovely leaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not there. And it's always so frustrating because I think someone hears you're from Africa and they kind of get their checkbox African foods that they know or have heard of. Maybe mm. fufu comes up quite a lot. Um, Jollof rice. Jollof rice, of course. It's more the West African presence of food. That people yeah. think of as African food as well as North Africa I think Ethiopia people and even Moroccan actually um, nothing from the East which is I don't know how you guys feel about it but I find that that makes it harder to enjoy your own cuisine in the country you now live in
2: there is one place in Sweden I saw an um, Instagram that's just opened up a Rolex um, like restaurant I wish we had one of those in London
0: so do I, man. I think a large part of the problem is that we also don't know how to cook some of this food <laughs> in the same way. That's why we're complaining. Because yeah.
3: yeah. Daffin touched on a Rolex, guys. Now, this is like what you people would call Ugandan street food. If they were to bring it to the UK and a restaurant opened, it would be Ugandan street food and fusion Um, But it's just chapati with an omelette in the middle (laughs) and other vegetables, for example, like peppers, onions or whatever. And um, we'd go out on a night out in Uganda when we were on holiday there. And 3 a.m., I shit you not, we'd go to those street vendors and get a Rolex and it was just the best. Forget your kebab. A Rolex is what you want when Mm -hmm. your stomach's full of alcohol. It's just the best thing in the world. We need to bring that to the UK.
2: Brixton Market, perhaps? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, As you can tell,
0: food in the Ugandan culture is more than just sustenance to us. It's a lot to do with family, home and belonging. Um, We hope you enjoyed hearing our
3: experiences of that. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.